0: Welcome back to following No It on a Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode one hundred and twenty-two. And we are rejoining Shalon and Adolin in Shadesmar and Lasting Integrity.
1: Paul, how are you? Uh rather rather swell. Um excited. Part four stuff. We have we see some unique characters here, and I'm really excited to uh to dive in. We have quite a bit to cover today. Well, I'll just say that, Elliot, how are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. It took me though a solid at least ten minutes of reflection to get myself back into our Shalon storyline. I I flipped over the page and I was like, "Lasting integrity." What? <laughs> what? What is it? What is even happening in our in our storyline here? And then it even mentions like. Oh yes, and and pattern was the spy. There was no others. Like wait, pattern was the. Oh yeah, wait, hold on. We knew that already. Like it took me quite a while. We've not been in this storyline for a while. Yeah,
0: we I, we've only departed from it for part three, but it does feel like quite a quite a long time. Do you guys have two words to summarize the episode? Uh, we'll start with Elliot.
2: Uh, of course. Those are not my words. Of course, I have words. The two words are voices and gravity.
1: All right. Paul? My two words this week are harmony and division.
0: All righty. Let's use these four words and talk about rhythm of war. All right, I believe, Paul, you have the same word that Elliot had last week, the week before, or something like that. One when, of those. When Elliot picked out Harmony, and it made me laugh because that was the title of a chapter coming up, and he kind of just jumped the gun with, this is how they're going to do it. So go ahead with Harmony.
1: All right. Well. Harmony. Is is our uh, that's how I'm imagining our emulsifier to be. Um, it may not be exactly what it sounds like, but we kind of learn, which we'll talk more in detail, um, going forward. But we will kind of learn that our emulsifier for different lights is tied with our different tones. We know that they were like you use a different tone with these tuning forks to pull light out of a gem. Um, and it sounds like whenever you sing the specific tones um like the tone of odium and the tone of honor, then like together, then you get the light to come together, and so I thought uh, i I couldn't remember if if harmony had been used, and it's fine. so I'm it's sorry if I, I' stole your word, uh Elliot but uh, but I thought it was a good way to to summarize like kind of what we learned about our emulsifier here. Uh, my other word is division. And this is slightly a stretch. Okay, this is a reference to nail in our Venli flashback chapter. Okay. Um, the reason I said division is because I've always envisioned our skybreakers as almost like a good and a bad part. I kind of imagine the, like, is it gravitation? The one where they can fly. Yep, um, gravitation. That that surge, I, I kind of associate that with honor, with being good. Our windbreaker, sorry, windrunners. Um, and just, uh, it, see, it seems good. It seems kind-hearted. I don't know. And I kind of associate the division surge as being more evil. Even though we haven't even really seen it used much. We've seen... Yeah. um. I forgot her name now, but the one bringer radiant that we've seen that was with Um We've seen that, and so I kind of assume that with... put that with the bad side of our Skybreakers. And the reason that's my word is because in this flashback, we see Nail, I feel like, kind of works to set up the assassination of Gavilar. Um, and... I kind of took that as nail being bad and sneaky and a lot of a lot of things. So that was that was kind of my reasoning for that word. Did you guys expect a prologue
0: chapter in in part four of like I don't I, I had no memory of this chapter before this read and I flipped to it and I'm like, wait, are we we're all on the prologue chapter. We're not, that's, not, that's not allowed, Brandon Sanderson. You're supposed to keep those on the. Pro- anyway, I enjoyed it. Elliot, your words.
2: My two words were voices and gravity. Voices for this same harmony section that that Paul is talking about. S- super cool chapter where we finally get some answers. We get the name of our book, Rhythm of War. We do. So fun stuff there. But there was actually a a quote there that I pulled my word voices from. Navani was kind of like wrapping her mind around what they've discovered and she says, Void light and stormlight, the voices of the gods. I just thought that was like I don't know. I I could hear the like dun dun dun, you know, in the (laughs) background as I as I read that. Second word, gravity or perhaps more accurate, the lack thereof, I guess, in Lasting Integrity, trying to wrap my mind around the physics of this place was a little mind D.
0: When I first read this chapter, I, I do remember the the physics here of Lasting Integrity from my first read. And when I first had read it, I coincidentally had just watched Inception, like the day before, and I was like, what are you one for one ripping inception for <laughs> like right into your book, Brandon?" but okay. Um before we get
1: too carried away, Paul, do you have do you have a mug? Yes, I was about to inter- interrupt if he tried to go forward. I don't know if I would call it a mug, but I have something. It is um it's a very large coffee cup. It is an exceptionally large coffee cup. Which, um, I don't know what to what to. It's a very large coffee cup. Um, is it bigger than it. your head? It is much bigger than my. Well, it's about, yeah, it's pretty close. Head size. It's pretty. I would say it is bigger than my head. Um, but it's pretty close in size to my head. Um, and on it, if if you haven't seen already, um, <laughs> I'm very thankful for our new surgeon. Shoop doop magoop. So thank you so much to sh- Shoop doop magoop, our newest surgeon. Um, I had to be careful not to write your name with like doctor's handwriting because it it was a bit long and it it barely fit on my little strip here. Uh, but Shoop doop magoop, McGoop, is uh very thankful for your support of our channel. And this is a very large coffee cup that I'm going to proceed to spill water on myself with, so by accident. Um, But But thank you for your support. Thank
0: you for your support, Um, Shoop Doop Magoop. Thank you.
1: uh, (laughs) I I was about to say, I think everyone should welcome Shoop Doop Magoop.
0: Um, I certainly (laughs) took advantage
1: of saying that name.
0: You did. Well done, Trevor. (laughs) I'll never, never be able to once again.
2: I'll uh, I'll pass. I'll I'll leave that to the, the experts, you guys.
1: Wow. all right. So me and Trevor appreciate your support. Shoot <laughs> group, I should say. Hey <laughs> now, Elliot, Elliot can pass. <laughs> give me trouble. It. I'm kidding. I'm joking.
0: All right. Chapter seventy-five: lasting integrity. So, yes, let us do a quick recap of Shalon and Adolin. Elliot. They said you had to do before. Flipping over to this chapter, so back back in part two of this book, we had the expedition into Shadesmar to recruit the Honor spread to come uh, bond Windrunners. That that's the that's goal number one. Goal number two is given to Shalon by Moraes, and Moraes says go find Ristari's. Ristari's is the head of the Sons of Honor. And you will know what to do when you get there, is what he says. He gives her this little magic Rubik's Cube thing and says, you can talk to me whenever with this thing. Um, and then sends them off. They go through Shadesmar. They meet a couple people. Um, Adelin jumps on Gallant's back and goes and saves What's his name? I don't remember the on- Honor Spren captain from last book, but he's in he's in trouble. Goes and saves him, gets injured in the process. That's right at the front door of lasting integrity. The Honor Spren let them in on one con- on the condition of Adolin is going to stand trial for all humans, or sorry, all Knights Radiant back at the time of the Recreants. That is the. Um, that is the stipulation here. They let them in. And then right at the beginning of this chapter, we learn that Gedecki was let into Lasting Integrity to heal Adolin, so he's no longer wounded. And then Gedecki is uh, kicked right back out. So that's where we pick up with Adolin Shalon.
2: And Adolin's greater mission is diplomatic, right? He's been sent there to talk to the Honorsbren and... Basically get them to help because they're refusing to help because of what happened at the Recreants way back thousands of years ago. Correct.
0: They view what Sill has Sill and some of her friends have done as stupid at best and treasonous, maybe at worst. And Adolin is here to try to change their minds because we need more windrunners.
2: Okay. I'm caught up now.
0: Ish. Ish. Right before, and then on Shalon's part here, right before we walk into lasting integrity, she has come to the conclusion that the spy that she has been looking for is Pattern. Pattern has been spying on her, and the the implications there we, we will be exploring in this in in this episode, I believe. So, uh, I'll leave that there. That Shalon has quickly dropped all trust of Pattern. And that was the the big mic drop at the end of part two. So that is where we pick up here. Lasting Integrity is a huge tower. And they live on the interior of the tower, on the four walls of the tower. It's on the the back of the book, if you need a, a visual. It's this big chrome tower here. And they live on the inside walls of it and the gravity is just not non-existent but whatever we'll we'll get there what do you guys think i
2: was tr- trying to figure it out your your comparison to inception is good or some of like the the doctor strange marvel movies get some you know trippy walk on walls kind of stuff going on i actually it made more sense to me when I started to compare it in my mind to an O'Neill cylinder, which is a is. this is the the space geek me, me, right? coming out in me. You, you've seen one before, I'm sure. O'Neill cylinders is the the concept it's a concept for a like colony ship in space it's a huge massive cylinder that rotates about its axis and you build your city on the inside surface of that cylinder so that that rotation get that centrifugal force gives you gravity. But yeah. but basically like if you stood on the inside, you, you could look, you know, up and there would be the other side of your city right above you. Yeah. M- movies use them a f- fairly, a few times at least. So you've, you've probably seen one at some point.
1: It's pretty cool. I saw that. Um, and whenever I noticed about all the gravity stuff, I I feel like Brandon Sanderson is giving us way too much fuel to just talk about, like, theory crafting stuff. I I say this with the music stuff that we talked about before and probably will talk a little bit more about as time goes on. Um, and then all the stuff with, like, gravity, mechanics, engineering-esque things, uh there's a, there's a lot going on, and I thought, I think it's pretty neat, but also really uh, easy to just rabbit trail on, you know, I, a lot of cool I, stuff.
2: I was looking very closely for a scientific explanation of this. I was like, okay, when are we going to get the how does this work? Why does this work? And at least in these chapters, we don't really. They kind of hand-waved away as, oh, lasting integrity follows a different set of laws. Yes. They, okay. Okay.
0: Shadesmar is whatever you think it is. So if you think that you can make a city on the inside of a tube, go ahead. I guess that's that, that's as much explanation as we get. Adolin, well, we jump into this chapter with Adolin, and he's doing some like morning walk that he gets to do. Um, he he's a prisoner, but he's. They let him, you know, roam around the city. He goes up to the walls, which, first off, I'm having a hard time comprehending how you go up to the city walls and look out on the expanse in this city that we've just described. Like I, I don't know what we're talking about, to be honest. Are we at the top of the cube? Or are we at the? Well, yeah, whatever. So he goes up and looks at the countryside around him, and he sees. The convoy that they came to Lasting Integrity with their other Knights Radiant um, and some uh, some of the other guys and so the, they're all camped out outside the city and there are Deadeyes collecting outside the the keep uh, of Lasting Integrity and one of the guards that is with Adolin says oh they are probably just they can feel that justice is coming and so they're the they're gathering around and they're they're waiting for, for justice to be served because Adolin's about to stand trial for, for their deaths. So what did you guys think of this?
2: Just real quick a note on that that what the guard is saying. The guard uses a term I wasn't familiar with there as that they're trying to explain why the dead eyes are there. They say they have that connection. They feel that justice is coming because they are bound to the spirit web of Roshar. And I, I've learned by now that oftentimes stuff is not an actually the first time we're having it revealed to us. It's just the first time I'm noticing it. Mm -hmm. So maybe this term has been used before, but I don't, this is the first time I've recognized it spirit web of Roshar. It's, there's no like hardly any context even for us to know what that exactly what that means, but it's a new term, I guess.
1: Yeah, are we adding it to the questions list that we'll read at the end of the book? And maybe Parshendi, no Dalinar. That's still my favorite. Let's Spirit know. Web of Roshar. <laughs> yeah, but no, I I also I briefly caught that and didn't know, did not know what to think. The Spirit Web of Roshar, honestly. And this is something i'm gonna I'm gonna tie into another point of our chapter here um just in mention sometimes whenever we're introduced to new like terms or people or words at this at this stage of our story, I just ignore it. I just fully ignore <laughs> it, and like like here it's like spirit web. I'm like, okay, if this is explained later. I will start to worry about it. Right now, I don't want to worry about it. And in the same way, uh, that's how I felt with this, like, ooh, go find Ristari. Like, like, I didn't know who that was. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. Um, either either Trevor or Brandon will tell me about what it is later. I won't worry about <laughs> yes, it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm just not going to worry about it. And if it, like, <clears throat> there's probably one or two times that it has turned out to be something that's not very significant or, like, a character that's not major I guess but in this case um we we find someone really cool we find one of our heralds uh and so then it was like oh okay Rastaris is Kalak. that's yes. awesome and then i just get to be like okay okay now i'm on the same page but not like worrying about like ooh who's restaris what's he going to do all that stuff you know yeah uh, but th- that's my treatment with the spirit web right now you guess maybe something we already know but um.
0: Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know what spirit web of Roshar means either. I, I would be... I wouldn't be surprised if we had seen it before, like you're saying, Elliot, but I also don't... Couldn't give you a definition right now.
2: It could also just be a... a... mannerism of speech that the honor are using. Like, it, it. maybe it doesn't actually have a whole lot of significance to it. That's just their way of explaining how are connected.
0: And now that I'm giving it more than 30 seconds of thought, this could be the mechanic that Dalinar is beginning to exploit with his Bondsmith powers, how everybody is connected to each other, connected to Roshar, capital C connection. And because they they just call it the spirit web of Roshar, I don't know. That's what came to mind. So that is Adolin's portion of the chapter. Shallan, we, well, I should say Veil. Vale. We don't get to see Shallan until later in the chapter. Veil vale and Radiant are in Lasting Integrity. I believe a couple weeks have gone by since part two and she has been investigating all of the humans in lasting integrity so she explains the mechanics of lasting integrity used to be a thriving capital a thriving trade capital of they would let people in let people out and you could go you could travel back and forth from like any other city but then right when x happened i think it's the return of the Ever or the creation of the Everstorm, I think, is when they close their doors, and that kind of fosters in 17 humans into lasting integrity. And over the last couple weeks, Shalon has been going around and seeing if any of these 17 humans are Ristaris, because that that's her that's her side quest from Moraes. And today, she is looking at the last of. Uh, the, the last human she hasn't been able to see. And it's some creepy dude who lives in a box. They call him 16 because he comes out every 16 days, walks to the market, picks up food, and walks back. We can talk about him in a second, but he, that's, yeah, whatever. Um, she Long story short, she, she finds him, and he's not Restaris. And so by at the end of this chapter, by the end of the episode, it'll change, but by the end of this chapter, Shalana's, convinced Restaris is not in lasting integrity. So that's the conclusion she gets to, but before um we get to the actual reveal of Restaris in the next in the later chapters here, um I want to talk about pattern in this in this chapter. Pattern and Radiant have an interesting conversation. Radiant just straight up asks Pattern, a bunch of questions that Shalon is afraid to ask. Pattern, and we actually get some cool answers. What did you guys
2: get from this? I'm I'm not used to getting straight answers from a Shalon storyline, so that almost that that alone almost threw me off. That <laughs> they're just they're getting right into it. it makes of, you
0: second guess your
2: straight answers. Of- exactly, exactly. Plus, we know Pattern loves his his lies, but and, and we've just been told we we can't trust him. But he does maybe win back a bit of trust here. I'm trying to remember what all what all he talks about in this chapter and what all he talks about later.
1: So yeah, he, I don't I don't know if I remember exactly what what he talks about. I do have a lot of thoughts on just like the conversation in general and stuff, but yeah. so. Radiant asks Pattern, have you
0: lied to us? And uh, Pattern says yes. And then he then she asks, have you used the cube? And Pattern says, well, yeah, I had to talk to Wit. And then she's like, well, wait a minute. Why why are you talking? Like, that is not what she was expecting. She was expecting that he's spying on her, like, with marais or something like that. But Pattern's like, well n- no, I was talking to to Wit. and then Wit gets overheard by a sleepless and a sleepless then passes it to Murrayais. So that is how Maraiss got his information inadvertently from pattern. So pattern is a spy in the f- in the fact that he's trying his best to help Shalon and the fact that Shalon won't help herself sh- pattern is going around her to wit and saying how can i help shalon and then Moraes finds out because of that conversation does that make sense
1: yes but i have a lot of questions <laughs> yes go ahead um one I didn't actually re I, I, I caught on to the sleepless shenanigans going on here. Um but I did not realize that the sleepless were the ones who gave Moraes the information. Are they like how does Mraze know them? Are are they associated with ghost bloods, maybe? Are they like in there somehow? If so, that I think that would be cool because I think that would tie in that would be a way for Sleepless to like actually tie into our storylines here, instead of just being like we talked about. They may just be kind of like an extra little feature, which is neat to to like know about and wonder about. Um, but like a way that they could have like a little a little sliver more of the the story, I guess. But the Sleepless aspect with Moraes confused me. Marais is always confusing, but yeah. that that bit
2: of info came to us a little bit earlier. I I didn't remember that at first, but then it came back to me. It was either at the end of part 3 or one of our interludes maybe. I don't remember exactly, but we had a scene a couple of episodes ago where Wit found one of his pens was not a pen. It was a sleepless. And so then he realized I've been spied on by a sleepless. And then he talked to, I think Yasna, Yasna about, hey, we know there's a sleepless working with the ghost bloods. And so they just kind of assumed that the ghost bloods now knew everything they did. So you had to take that bit of information and then pair it with this to say to see, oh, pattern told wit. And we know that wit is compromised and that everything that he knows or has been told it has been fed to the ghost bloods. Therefore, that's the very circuitous path by which Sholan's trick she tried to use to plant information, it ended up getting back to Murrays through pattern, through wit, through the sleepless, through the ghost bloods.
1: Not confusing at all. Right? Yeah, I totally, totally uh, picked all of that up first read through.
0: Yes, exactly. But all of that leads to the question that actually I think Vale begins to question of for this, way back at the beginning of this book, it's like the second chapter or it's like the fifth chapter of the book is ELA dies they are they're they're in a undercover operation in the Shattered Plains trying to find out who the leader of the, they're trying to exterminate the, the, the Sons of Honor and ELA is tied into this they successfully capture Elay. They're about to turn return her to Utheru. Elay dies, and so Shalon's like, "Well, either she committed suicide with like a a pill, which doesn't look likely, or she, or there's a spy here, and the spy killed Elay." Now we have attributed that death to the spy that Shalon was looking for this whole time. And Veil vale kind of like offhand thinks to herself, "Well, wait a minute. If sh- if Pattern is the spy, but he's accidentally the spy, who killed Eli? Now we're back to square one with that. Of well, if there is no spy, who killed Eli?
2: I'm. I think this came up when we had that initial conversation when that happened to begin with. I think we added." shalon herself to the list of suspects we did because we know she's got a running list of personas including some that she may or may not know about and or have control over yeah so it seemed fairly plausible that a version of shalon could have come out hid from the rest assassinated eli gone back in shalon Vale and company don't even know what happened so I think that for me has now risen to top of the suspect list as what might have happened there.
1: Go ahead. Paul. I think I think that's really true. I, I, I agree with you, Elliot. I think that's what we're honestly gonna find. Like I, I would make that a pretty solid prediction, honestly. Um if we know that that is the case, where we like don't hypothetically no longer know who Ela's killer is then i think it's got to be this like what what was the name that they said was it formless nameless formless formless uh, my guess is formless um or or some other shalon thing that we don't know um yeah that that would pretty much be my guess um
0: bouncing off of this this goes into chapter 78 pattern is talking to who is presented to the reader as shalon but Pattern has a really good way of recognizing who he's talking to without even Vale or Shalon or Radiant having to introduce themselves. Up until like through all of Oathbringer, through all the Rhythm of War, Pattern quickly 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 recognizes who he's talking to. Except in this scene, Pattern assumes he's talking to Vale, and Shalon says, "No, this is Shalon." And Pattern says, no, it's not. You feel, you, you don't feel like Shalon. you feel like something else. And Shalon just dismisses it.
1: That's a really good point. Um, I, I do trust that, like, if anyone's going to know, it would be Pattern, um, just because they're, they, it's her bonded spren and mm-hmm. everything there, you know? Yeah. Um, so that could totally make sense of like Shalon's other persona she thinks is Shalon but is not Shalon right is right. formless um, right. and Shalon isn't even like there um I will say i don't um this this is i'm zooming out a little bit real mm-hmm. quick um with Shalon's storyline I am almost at the point where I feel like. I feel like Shalon's storyline is setting up something for way later. Okay. I don't think Shalon's storyline right now is even really like going to be a big book four stuff. Because reading this, I was not very excited. I was not very thrilled. I was thrilled with Thing Collect. That's awesome. But a lot of like the stuff with her and Moraes um I was I was confused why we're seeing this now because all of our other characters feel like they're very pointed with our like storyline development. We've got like Kaladin, Kaladin, Everyone is like basically fighting the war. There's like a war happening. Yeah. Um, and then Shalon and Adolin, like it almost feels like they're off in their own little thing. It is very like big. They're in like Shadesmar and they're like basically. Hanging out with all the sprint, they're doing a lot of like things that will probably become very impactful with our like other characters and where they are in the story. Um, but I've been trying to figure out where Marais fits into this, um, and just everything there. Um, and so I feel like it's just gonna be something like way later. Um, I also have just been a little frustrated with Shalon's development. I-, I was thinking of how I don't, I have no idea how you get Shalon's. Content in this book, and a lot of Oathbringer. Ever, this is onto like an on-screen adaptation. Okay, <laughs> just like with all of her different like characters and stuff, like her her um, different like personalities. I have no idea how you are supposed to convey that like on screen well <laughs> and make it make sense. Yeah. So, and that doesn't mean it's good or bad. You know, if it, if it can't be portrayed on screen, super easily uh but it's been frustrating to i feel like to follow as a reader and like i said it's very different from our other storylines which seem to like be somewhat coming together like yeah teravanji and renar and zeth dalinar kaladin all of them that it's like it's it's been harder for me to read the shalon chapters so shalon reigned over (laughs) um are you are you prepared to have your mind changed real quick
0: Yes, I would love th- I would love for it to be changed. Or so your original claim of I feel like Shalon Shalon's story is b- is being set up for later. Mm-hmm. I think you missed something in this chapter. Okay, okay. Shalon is talking, or sorry, Radiant is talking to Pattern, and Pattern is saying, "So for a while there, I thought it was good for Shalon to remember her past." But then it caused more harm than good, so I stopped. But now that we're here, I would like Shalon to meet someone. Do you remember this? This is the right. This is about three quarters of the way through seventy-five. And Pattern says I'd like Shalon to meet someone, and he kind of looks over his shoulder, and then Shalon. There's a, there's one line which I'll come back to in a second. And then Shalon takes over, shoves Veil vale and Radiant in the back, turns around and walks away.
1: Who, did, did you, did you catch this? I I know what you're talking about. My only assumptions, I'm trying to think who could be here. I mean, my only assumptions are like, I don't know, maybe Kalak can help. <laughs> but like, Pattern didn't know it was Collect right, and Collect's not quite there yet. He's almost there, but yeah, he's not there it's yet. True.
2: I was super I... frustrated by that because it seemed to be leading to a very important moment. Pattern brings a cryptic, yes, that's a dead eye, correct, and and is, and is like Shalon, you have to meet this person, and then story just kind of whips the other direction. Which, yes, thinking back on that is. Very possibly quite intentional by Shalon. of, yes. oh crap, nope, can't deal with that, we're going this way. And we, we don't even revisit that, like that happens in chapter 75, that's the first of our four chapters here. We don't go back to it. It's just, poop, gone. Yes. So I was left like, who the heck was that? Over pattern shoulder is what appears
0: to be a Deadeye cryptic and says, "Shalon, you should meet this person. What does that mean?
2: And I a thought just popped into my head as as you were talking about this, which I love how this happens. How just talking with you guys spawns all kinds of you know ideas oh, yeah. and stuff. Oh yeah. One of which might be okay. Let's step back for a second. I'm we're going to bite you off for just a little bit. Yep. I'm I'm struggling a little bit with our our timeline, our Shallan history timeline. Okay. We were shown a storyline where Shallan meets Pattern for the first time on a ship and they have this super cute like discovery and introduction and Pattern like is bumping into the table because he doesn't even know how to move around the world. And, and Pattern brings oh, this
0: up in this chapter of That's How They Met. We met mm-hmm. on the ship. He specifically says that.
2: And this is not the first time I think that that has come up as the, when did Shalon meet pattern? And it's, it's mind bending because we, we know that Shalon had pattern before then because she kills her mother with a shard blade. Correct. So she had to have had a sprint at that time. Uh-huh. So the question is the question I've been wrestling with for a while is does pattern not remember that? Does pattern is he lying intentionally about that? Uh, that's kind of where I was leaning to recently was is is pattern intentionally hiding that from Shalon? Was he pretending this whole time to be to be meeting her for the first time? Was was that what went down? But what just struck my brain that might be hitting that same lightning bolt might be hitting Paul here at the same time based on his facial expressions here.
1: Uh-huh.
2: What if the shard blade that Shalon killed her mother with was not Pattern? What if it was a different cryptic, that cryptic that's standing there that Pattern wants to introduce her to?
1: That's gotta be it. (laughs) So, okay. Interesting. Okay, hold on. Okay, a couple thoughts. I love this podcast. One, one. Uh, I, okay, I'm going for the purpose of of this conversation, right? Quick, I'm going to assume this is we're we're right. We're going to assume this, uh eye cryptic, is the shard blade that she used back then that she like had as a child. Right? We talked about how pattern was there, but mu was a pattern. It was, uh, old pattern. I don't know. Um. <laughs> So you could bond, one person could bond a multiple spren then, right? Not like at the same time, necessarily. Okay. We don't know that. But bonded a spren, killed that spren, and then rebonded another spren.
0: And Shalon doesn't want to admit it, that she killed uh. a spren. She refuses to think. Does she know? Correct. It feels like she, she doesn't, doesn't even know. know. She doesn't know and she refuses to face the fact that she has killed a spren and she all she wants to think about is pattern's been here the whole time and she blames the death of remember she blames the death of her mother on pattern
1: because she doesn't know like like that's like as far as she knows pattern has always been there but now pattern is just now saying we met on the boat or that's like when she remembers like meeting him but she mm-hmm. has She's assuming that he's just been there since she was a child. Correct. And, and Pattern takes the
0: blame for her mother's death because he knows that she cannot handle the truth of this other spren that she killed. So she accidentally kills her mother with... Well, she self-defense kills her mother with a shard blade. Trauma obviously hides the shard blade away and does not think about it for years, which kills the spren. And then another cryptic is then attracted to her pattern. She starts over
1: from square one. Okay. Once take, I'm going to take this another step further. Okay. So we've seen Adolin with Maya. Right, he she has not like come alive or anything, but she has shown some like signs of life or some things that are quote impossible for a dead eye to do. Uh huh. What happens if sh- if if this dead eye if this is Shalon's previously bonded or present like cryptic? What happens if it starts to come back or exhibits similar behavior as Maya? Is she gonna have two? <laughs> cryptics. She going to dual wield shard blades.
2: I'm getting more like your ex shows back up at your life after you've gotten over them <laughs> and started dating someone yeah. new. Vibes off
0: of this. Yes, exactly. Cue Q- Duel of Fates where Darth Maul gets the double sided.
1: Yes. Tr- tr- yeah, exactly. Pew, pew.
0: All right. So, um,. With with that two lines of set sentence that I assume you missed, Paul, that I wanted to bring to your attention, um, would you say that we're getting a little bit more traction with the with the Shalon
1: storyline? Yes, that is really cool. I I'm a big fan. I'm curious to see where that goes. I hadn't thought of that. Um... But in my mind, I was like, "We're still in this like kind of Ghost Bloods phase, and I mm-hmm. don't know when that's going to come into fruition." So I'm assuming later. Yep. Um, but but that is pretty cool. I'd be excited to see that. Um, yeah. I, I'm also briefly mentioning the Adolin uh, moment of this chapter. Um, I'm really excited for him to go on trial. <laughs> cuz like it's set up I feel like this is set up like the Kaladin High Storm in se- like I said season 1 I was thinking season 1 Wave Kings <laughs> Man I need to stop thinking about TV shows um <laughs> uh, uh, um where I don't know I, I trust Brayden Sanderson's writing to at, at a minimum present a really awesome scene and dialogue with a trial mm-hmm. um but to I, I I don't know I feel like he is gonna be fine, or or something big is gonna happen, and I'm really excited to see that. I don't know where that will go, but I'm sure it will be something cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, quick side note. Uh, Shalon finds people from Nalthus in in lasting integrity. Did you catch that, guys? Yes. she's She notices they deliberately look different than Azure did. Azure looked Alethi. Um, but Nalthan's she finds people from Nalthis, and uh, Vail's like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. And Radiance like, well, please think about that for a second. These people are from a different planet. We need to acknowledge that, and acknowledge the weight of that, like, what that means for us. And then we move on. So, Warbreaker's, uh, Just another Stormlight book in disguise. (laughs) All right. Completely switching gears. Uh, 76. Novani and Raboniel. This whole dynamic that we've fostered over the last part three here. I was under the assumption that this whole relationship was going to be over. Raboniel betrays Navani, reveals that I've been spying on you with the sibling the whole time. And Navani, at the beginning of this chapter, is kind of on the same page. It's like, I don't want to help you with research anymore. I don't care. You completely backstabbed me. And Raboniel says, "Uh, uh, please don't, please don't do that I, I really need you to help me because we're actually on to something here which by the end of the chapter they are on something here what you guys would you guys get from this chapter
2: Navani just can't resist can she her her curiosity is too too strong there's there's a thread of discovery here and she can't not pull on it even if that means having to work with Raboniel who has betrayed her, multiple times clearly it is is not about to actually help her in any way here but uh that itch for discovery navani can't resist
0: yes so Raboniel and navani find uh, storm void light what would you guys like to call this i've got a couple different options in the in the outline here which one's your favorite See stoid light. <laughs> yep. We have stoid light, honotium.
1: H- 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 on onodium on light. Vo- void vo, vo- vorm- vorm- light. Void stormlight. Vorm light. Uh, I kinda like vorm light. Odinor light. Oh, that's hard to see.
2: Alright. I I tried to combine <laughs> Navani and Raboniel in my head. I, I was okay. going for the two like discoverers here. So like ra- Rabovani light Navo- or something like Navoniel. that. Navoniel, yeah.
1: Naboniel. Naboniel. So, somebody R- in the Rab- Discord, Ravani.
2: somebody in the Discord suggested a much more logical name for it, and that was
1: oh, is this like uh, my <laughs> from, from, her, from <laughs> no, no. Yeah. no,
2: no, no, in, no. Instead of just, some some goofy smashing of words together, they they just said that they would call it Warlight. No, nah, which boo. yeah. I read that, I was like, uh, okay, yep, that makes way more sense than my goofy (laughs) mental gymnastics.
0: Yes, Warlight, I believe, is the eh, semi-canonical name for it because it's the rhythm of war that combines them. And it describes it as a dark black-blue, which is a great mental image, by the way, I love that. And Mm -hmm. they sing their nice little... Honor and Odium Lullaby here could successfully combine these these gems and we get Warlight.
2: Well, let's de- let's describe that in a little bit more detail because I found it fascinating after our discussion about music theory the yep. last couple of episodes and then even some more fantastic notes thrown in our, our Discord channel from from some of our listeners had some good discussion in there about it. They realize as they're trying to combine these, that the light, our our investiture, this voice of the gods, if you will, the voice of a shard, it puts off not just a tone. It doesn't, it doesn't just respond to that pure tone of roshar that it associates with. It also has a rhythm. And so tone and rhythm. Navani before was just using tones. She just had her her tuning forks, right? Yep. Where she, she's figured out the right tones, but she, she can't get the light to combine with just the tones. What Rabonio helps with, because Rabonio can hear this because we know the singers are so in tune with Rochard or whatever it is, where they hear the rhythms that that's you no know, constant throughout any sort of singer point of view, right? Is they're switching between different rhythms so Raboniel explains, well, no, the light has a rhythm as well. But then they look at tower light, or they talk about tower light, and realize that tower light is a harmony of the two tones that was just combined, and it has a combined rhythm that is neither stormlight rhythm nor lifelight rhythm. It's sort of a combination of the two. Yep. And so what they have to get to, which they do incredibly impressively, with just their voices, they being Navani and Raboniel here, are able to harmonize the tones of Odium and Honor and the rhythms of Stormlight and Voidlight. Combine all of that into one, and that is what becomes our... I'm blanking on the word now. Warlight. Our well war war light but the 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 mechanism for combining the two emulsifier thank you yes that becomes our emulsifier that blends the two lights together into one i thought it was fascinating yeah
0: it does it live up to all of your theorizing from what last week two weeks ago
1: i definitely i'm always a fan of music stuff and like singing in fantasy. I just think it's really cool. Um and this this was really cool and I think it's a really just like I didn't expect this to become a part of our story. We're yeah. like almost four full books out of five. Um like that's our progress through the story and there hasn't really been much to do with music we've we've seen these rhythms we've heard like um stuff like that with the parshendi but there really has been no other mention of music or tones or rhythms or all this stuff you know other than with our parshendi we know it's a part of their life yep um but i think we're learning that it is a part of all life maybe on roshar um and not not just our like parshendi here um and I thought it was really cool. I think the harmony is a cool emulsifier um, and like incorporating the rhythms, and that Navani was able to hear the rhythms. Um, yeah, I mean, she that really like caught me off guard. And I, I don't fully understand why she could or how she could. She just kind of like tried, didn't she? So, so um, this
0: one actually was the most fascinating part of, for this chapter for me. So, she takes stormlight spheres with stormlight in it and straps it to her arm, and gets Raboniel to start singing Honor's tone, Honor's rhythm. And she does, and the the stormlight in the spheres begins resonating and vibrating with the same rhythm. Um, And so as soon as Raboniel cuts off, she can still feel the rhythm on her skin, and that's how she tunes herself with it, because the stormlight on her skin is still vibrating to Honor's rhythm. And so that's how she can match it based on just pressing Stormlight Spheres to her skin and feeling the rhythm pushing against her
1: skin. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty awesome.
2: There's an interesting note in here, though. Raboniel says that she's tried this already. And yet the only thing different here is she's using now they have a human. Right in in the mix here so i was actually quite curious if that was a necessary part of this combination or if that's maybe just a like enough of a difference or new element that kind of allowed the discovery to happen but i I thought that was interesting that the human who struggles to hear the rhythms but is able to with the the gemstones on her skin was potentially the catalyst here
0: the the way I interpreted it is if you had two singers, they would not deviate from their original rhythm. Because the uh. way the way they get the emulsifier is they both have to come to the middle and meet in a new harmony. And if you had two singers singing their original rhythms, they're not going to change because they can still hear their original like their their original rhythms. But if you have a baseline of a singer sticking to a normal rhythm of odium and then an honor one that's able to like be changed and have that meet in the middle somewhere. That's what does it.
2: So that that makes sense.
0: The, the human is flawed enough and able to change their rhythm enough to that it can harmonize with each other.
2: That does make sense the the ultimate destination that we get to though is super cool the the rhythm of war yes i i did not expect such a cool definition or like what is the rhythm of war as this combination this harmony of odium and honor i was just expecting you know when we picked up this book Rhythm of war. Okay. I know that Parshendi, that singers hear rhythms. Okay. Clearly there must be a rhythm of war. Simple enough. Yep. Ah, but it's so much more complex than that. Yep. Which is so cool. And it's, it's so, it just makes sense if you think about it. War itself is an equally chaotic, but controlled thing. You can have an, a very honorable war. There are very honorable reasons to go to war. In fact, honor, I think, should drive you to go to war in certain scenarios. Yeah. But at the same time, war for the sake of war or an unjustified war is a very chaotic or emotional or whatever you want to kind of passion driven, whatever you want to associate with odium, a very odium like thing it's destructive, it's evil, if you want to go down down that thread. All of these things describe war. And so the combination of the two, I, I would have been with Raboniel at the beginning of this. How If you combine odium and honor, what do you get? Probably nothing. Explosions. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. But war is a perfect answer to that question. It is brilliant. So
0: I do want to highlight this from Raboniel's point of view here. What is, and she's mentioned this time and time again, what is Raboniel expecting from this experiment? Let's say they do successfully combined void light and storm light in one sphere. So far they haven't been able to do it. What, if it were possible, what is Raboniel fully expecting to happen? Antimatter. The explosion that we saw from earlier in the book. Now, It's easy to think about this chapter of like, oh, yeah, they finally did it. That's really cool. They were holding hands over the sphere. They like they united them. But think about this from Raboniel. Raboniel is willing to do this. Why?
2: I was thinking of it as she didn't think it was going to actually work. But what if it does work?
0: The way, way Raboniel assumes it's going to work.
2: Well, then she'd have her anti-light, which apparently she has plans for.
0: Right. But first, they would both explode. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and Raboniel comes back with the next ever storm. Right? So, R- Raboniel is fully prepared to sacrifice Navani to accomplish whatever they're about to discover here, and Raboniel is going to have no repercussions no matter what happens here. Because, yeah, let's say the room explodes like Raboniel's expecting. I would even go as far to assume that maybe that's happened in the past, that if they've, if they've played with this a couple times, that maybe they did accidentally find antimatter and they've lost some fused, but they don't care. They just come back with the next Everstorm. So, Raboniel is fully expecting the room to explode and Devani to die. And the fact that it doesn't, and that it does successfully come to a emulsified mix, that is when it it really shocks Raboniel and she p- picks up the sphere with like a shaking hand of like, oh, I was definitely wrong. But th- this is not all like, oh, they united, that's so cute. No, no Raboniel was fully prepared to sacrifice Navani. Don't get yourself confused.
2: (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point.
1: It is. I I mean, Rabonia, like, when I think of our fused people right now, I mean, they definitely just have their life as a resource. They can just throw it however they want, because they'll come right back. Right. So that makes sense. And then the flip side of
0: that the revelation that Avani comes to during all of this is Oh. Gavilar was playing around with this. This is maybe one of a a warlight sphere is maybe one of the spheres that she saw on the table. Because she saw she said she saw a mult like a multitude of different spheres, different colors on the prologue night. And Raboniel says, do you know how Honor died? Honor died by some sort of anti-investiture mechanic. And that dawns on Navani of like, wait, Gavilar was looking for this. Gavilar was looking for an anti-investiture tool. And I had one, and I accidentally blew up my scholars with it.
2: It's definitely a oh oh man kind of moment of this is the kind of stuff Gavilar from the very beginning of our story was messing with is a weapon to kill a God. Yeah. And, and not like a light song God, a shard God. Mm-hmm.
0: Side note, it really bothers me that back in the Wave Kings Brandon Sanderson went with the term shard bearer for someone who has a shard blade when we needed that term for someone who holds a shard of adonalsium. We needed shard bearer to mean that, not anyway. Should have picked a different term in my opinion. But because <laughs> because now you have to be like shard vessel, shard holder, shard oh, whatever
2: fair
1: shareholder but short yeah
2: (laughs) yes i did write down a note that raboniel thinks that or at least she claims that having this power this god killing power is her path to peace she says she says to navani basically this is my plan we can finally achieve peace of this war between our two races that cannot be stopped by anything else if I can wield this power over everybody. And I just kind of wrote down. That's not how that usually goes. But bigger weapons don't usually do a great job of ending wars. Or when they do, really bad things happen.
0: Yeah, peace for who? Are we, who are we talking about? Right.
2: Right. True, true peace happens with the the laying down of weapons, not the who can build the biggest stick. Right.
0: Anything else from this chapter? Don't think so. The only question that remains for me is... We've successfully combined Stormlight and Void Light. Still leaves the open question of where the heck did Gavilar get his anti-light sphere from. Where where did where on Roshar or off of Roshar did that come from?
1: I thought about this for a minute and right now I'm just fully in the boat that it is all it is three lights. It is a three way harmony meeting in the middle, um Okay. Of all three of our lights. Maybe all four. That's the TBD. but Ooh, all four. Uh, but it does specify that this was different from Zeth's light sphere light to Gavilar's light sphere. Um and so my my I instantly had that question in my head. What is that one now? Yep. And so it's my guess is just all three.
0: My my guess is it's a different mechanic entirely, more more along the lines of, dare I say, Nightblood level of like, sucking in destruction stuff. Like if you put a sphere next to Nightblood and sucked some of that, that's that's what you
1: would get. I mean, like we've talked about with these frequencies and stuff. Like hypothetically, if it uh. If you found the frequency to pull that light out, what happens? You know?
0: Hit Nightblood with a tuning fork. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh
2: I thought of Nightblood too, and I am definitely going down the mental path of this seems different. Almost, I guess my question is going to be, is the... We keep using the term antimatter, which maybe that's not the best way to be referring to it, but anti-light or whatever opposite light, I think, is how they sometimes refer to it in the story. What is that stuff investiture? Yep. That's a good question. That's gonna be my question. Is is it investiture? Because investiture so far, not just on Roshar, is a source of magical power. You can do magical stuff with it. It's an it's more of a additive thing. It's you're gonna do positive stuff with it. I mean you can do evil stuff with it if you want, but you're gonna add to instead of take away. Mm-hmm. This opposite light seems like a and Nightblood is kind of in this category of a, a consuming. Yep. It's a absorbing and not giving anything back that doesn't seem like investiture to me
0: right is so the question is is there some absorbing black shard out there that would spawn nightblood and aura power like this or is it the opposite of investiture itself right yeah that's a good question all right 77 we get a prologue chapter venly prologue chapter out of the blue ulim and Venli are sneaking around colonar and they they sneak up all the way to like some upper floor chamber pot room and ulim is kind of freaking out because he hasn't heard from his contact Reaches reaches into this chamber pot reads the message and says oh Zindweth left. Okay. Um, well, that just told us a couple things. Do you, Paul? Do you remember who Axindweh is?
1: No.
2: Go ahead, Elliot. with and I had to pull some stuff out of my memory banks as well on this one. Exendweth, we saw her not too long ago. Exendweth was the random
1: she like helper
2: that- person that Venli meets in Gavilar's entourage, like out in the wilds. When they first meet, like Dalinar and Gavilar, they're learning about each other, they're having chats, it's all chummy and, and friendly. And then this person just kind of pulls Venli aside and they have a discussion. And you quickly learn that this person knows a lot. That was Exendweth. And our defining feature we got for her was a handful of rings. Right, Trevor? Oh, yep. the Ring Lady. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: I remember Ring Lady. Yeah. I did not ever remember hearing this name, Exendweth. So she, long story short,
0: she is the one who gives Venli the sphere that Ulim is in. Exendweth gives. Venli, the sphere, says, take this into a storm. You will get the, the powers that you're seeking. It'll heal your mother, is the hook that she gets Venli with. And so she takes the sphere into the storm. Ulin pops out and says, hey, what's up? We're going to save the world and bring back Odium storm. Um, so that is Exendweth. They come to the palace on prologue night, and they're supposed to meet with Exendweth. Exendweth leaves a note here that says she got found by the other specialist in the palace, and she left. And Fenley's like, uh, left like for the night, left the palace, and Ulam's like super annoyed at it, and says, no, left Roshar, like she's she's gone, she hopped into Shadesmar and is gone. And Fenley's has no idea what we're talking about what do you guys think and of the other specialist?
2: I'm fascinated by that because th- this whole, this fits into our whole picture too of the, what, I, what I'm kind of calling the loophole. We've learned that fused are getting around the oath pact. They're coming in onto Roshar, assumedly from braze through this kind of, confusing method but it's very complicated but they can be pulled over into a sphere into a gemstone and ulam has talked about how they have to have agents who like what i was assuming was human agents go back to that um go and collect the spheres and then you know deliver them where they need to go that that's what they were doing on this night they were going to go collect some fused souls that had been brought across The terminology here, though, in this sentence is interesting, the way Ulim talks about it. She's a very specific and rare kind of specialist. The details need not concern you. But there is apparently another of her kind in the palace, an agent for someone else. They found her and turned the human king against her. She's decided to pull out. That's a lot of kind of specific terminology that seems to point at Another of her kind? Like, are we not even talking about humans anymore?
0: This also lends itself to the fact that Gavilar did not go and get those those spheres by himself. He was delivered them. Because Ulim and Venli are here to pick up Voidlight Light. Spheres with void light spren in them, and instead, Exenweth gets found, turned into the king. Exenweth leaves, and then Gavilar has a bunch of void light spheres. Gives one to Eshenai. Remember in Oathbringer Prologue, Eshenai walks in and freaks out that there's void light spheres on the table, and Gavilar's like yo, we're going to bring back your gods, it's going to be great. And Uh Eshenai's like, no, please no, and kills him. and Goes and buys Zeth, and then Zeth kills him.
1: Uh Uh-huh. I remember that part, for sure. Um.
0: So, somewhere along the path, there's someone in the palace who delivered these Voidlight Spheres that Ulim was supposed to pick up to Gavilar. Gavilar picked them up.
2: It's more hints towards what could end up being a new entity out here, which I'm trying to figure out. You know, we've kind of had ghost bloods as kind of our catch all behind the scenes fixers gathering information. This is not ghost bloods. This is something different. So is this purely just agents of the fused? It seems like more than that. It seems like Ulim is working with this person, but this person seems like they're tied into maybe something even bigger. You know, mm-hmm. interplanetary bigger.
0: Yeah. And if you caught it, there's actually a one liner here that reveals mm-hmm. that Kalak is in the palace. Ulim comes back to Venli and says Yo, I just saw Heralds. We've got. First, I saw Shalosh and I wasn't too terribly concerned. And then I walked around the corner and Nail and uh, Kalak were there. And if you remember, Nail was confirmed at the banquet before, but he was also walking around with this other guy um, who was called Ristaris, uh, And he was. You could then assume it was Kalak. So actually, a chapter, bef- next chapter in seventy eight, we actually get the the spelled out reveal. But if you put two and two together, you can figure out that Rastaris is Kalak in this chapter.
1: Which, by the way, was probably my favorite thing about this episode. Um, well, coming into this episode, honestly, I think my favorite thing is. Learning about the secondary spren for Shalon, maybe that is really cool. I'm very glad I see you about that Trevor, uh, but I'm really excited because, so whenever we first found Ton in the first book, mm-hmm. I was so excited and and I still love it i I love Taln even though he's literally just insane I give him I'll give him some slack. he's been through a lot right We've talked about this uh <laughs> but I feel like. K'lack, Sounds like he might be more normal. He might have his wits about him more so. Um, or at least I'm holding on to that. And so I'm hoping we're gonna we're gonna hear something. We're gonna hear some more. Maybe we'll learn more about the Oath Pact. Maybe we'll learn more about lots of things. Uh maybe that's also me wishfully thinking. So And on the
0: topic of is Kalak insane or not? Pull back to, now that we know that Ristaris is Kalak, pull back to Yasna's prologue, beginning of Words of Radiance, Yasna walks past Nail and Rastari's in the hallway, and before they Mm -hmm. see her, they're like, Kalak is saying, Ishar said that we weren't supposed to go insane. Are you going insane? I'm not insane. Am I insane? And he's just like, drilling Nail on like sanity questions. So Kalak at this point on the prologue does not think he's insane. And that's only six years or six or seven years before, um, common or before like current day when, you know, compare that to the thousands of years that he's been uh, hanging out. So between the prologue and current day, he somehow goes and hides in lasting integrity. Um, um, or maybe he already was there and just shows up for the banquet for some reason. um. But Kalak does not think he's insane. Whereas Shalosh would probably agree with you that I'm not mentally sane. um, Or, you know, like none of us are mentally sane, like that type of thing. Kalak is still questioning the fact at this point of am I thinking rationally or not. To
2: help you? To confuse you. I I'm skeptical. We'll see.
0: We will see. Anything else for this episode.
2: Uh, that was enough to break my brain for a while.
1: Uh, there was a lot of uh, yeah, it was a lot of kind of I feel like difficult things to, to connect right now. I mean, in typical fashion maybe it'll all be like revealed next episode who knows but like right now it's like all right if you think back to words of radiance (laughs) prologue then maybe you could figure out who this character is a chapter early you know like um yeah it's it's a bit it's a bit silly in that regard but i'm really excited always to go forward um in part four things are ramping up like I said, I'm super excited to see our uh, Adolin content, honestly, coming up. Yeah. the
0: The one part of seventy eight that we didn't talk about just real quick, the Adolin uh trial that's coming up, the little snafu there is. Adolin's like, well, as long as we're honorable about it, I should be fine in this in this trial. And his little ink spren advisor dude says well I mean if you're going by your definition of honor then yes but honor spren are like honor's dead so we can define honor however we want is how they think about it so you're in trouble so we'll see how that goes
2: yeah that that ink spren helper that Adolin has is just, uh, just just a bucket of sunshine for sure and I say that completely ironically sarcastically
0: alright let us keep reading and we will reconvene next week thanks for joining me Paul and Elliot
1: see ya peace